Sports Podcast. I said, Welcome to, welcome to the Dirty Sports Podcast with Andy Ruther and Joe Prano. Welcome to, welcome to the Dirty Sports Podcast. Welcome to the Dirty Sports Podcast. I am your host, Andy Ruther. Coming to you live from Cincinnati, Ohio, with my co-host, the uh, Venice Beach, California, Joey Nochoprano. Hello, Andy. Cincinnati, Andy. That's right. We're doing it. You are on Walt Street, right? You're, I am. Uh, I'm in his you're, kitchen. You're re- the Walt Street Journal at, at Walt's house. Correct. How does it feel to be home, buddy? It's good. I will say it, it's just it's just a lot that there's just a different feeling during the current state of the world with in these uncertain times. <laughs> I just think it's just it's just a different vibe because it, it's not as prevalent here. The number of cases and also just the vibe is just different. If that makes sense. I mean, even in coronavirus, the quality of life. Yeah. And I, um, I, I, well, please continue, Andy, because I, I, I actually do want to hear about the vibe in the Midwest. No, I think it's a pretty good vibe. I think, I think it's a, for me right now in my life, it's a healthier vibe. I mean, it's not, you know, I just came from a CVS. You had to wear a mask. It's not like no one's unaware. You know what I'm saying? I, I don't want to get the impression that, oh, it's just people are like, whatever's here. No. That's not the case at all. It's just, I I think states like California that are more left-leaning are a little more hypersensitive to this sort of thing, and in a way, understandably. Yeah, and I, and I also think, and it's funny because I've, I've even seen this kind of percolating on social media, the way certain parts of the country treat the people from other parts of the country that are like kind of talking about it. Like I tweeted the other day that, uh, you know, about people coming to the beach because Friday night down here was insanity. It was like 4th of July. And I was just like, it was annoying. I'm not living in fear of anybody like giving it to me or anything like that. But the idea that you guys can't wait another week until this is like officially over like I'm, I'm just worried about. I just want sports back. I just want bars back. I just want comedy clubs back. And the idea that like people can't wait, and then somebody like replied to me on Twitter like, "I'd like to report somebody not living in fear." And I'm like, I just want to report douchebags who are like going through police lines. Like I get that in Minnesota, it's mean, not a big deal. You mean but, du- like, douchebags like me? Yeah, I, I mean. Yeah, but it's like, I I just, I mean, I get that in the middle of the country, it's not as big a deal. But like, when you live on the beach in California, and it's 80 degrees, and everybody in the entire state of California comes to your neighborhood, it's kind of annoying. Yeah, I I think we actually might disagree on this one. I'm I'm in a way just over it. Like, (laughs) I mean, this shit is bad. And but to a certain point, and we don't want to go too far down this because I know we have a lot of last dance to talk. But 
I mean, the headline today's LA Times, the main headline is economic backlash with poverty will most likely cause more deaths across the globe. I, I, I get that. I'm just also at the point where, though, like, to me, it's a scab and the scab is almost entirely healed. Like, just in terms of the the straight up date that they picked, like if the date that they picked is like May 15th, you really you've done it for two months. You can't do it for another week and then just like not cause mayhem. Because if the other thing is here is like the parking lots aren't open. You know what I mean? Because the yeah. beach isn't open. So in a week, you can come to the beach and park in a beach parking lot. But for now, if you come to the beach, you have to park on the streets, on the side of the road. It's like you can't wait one more week without picking at this scab. No, I get that. I agree. I mean, I, I, I get that. It's just what's going to be interesting for me is someone who just flew. Social distancing is impossible. That, that's just the facts. I, I took two flights, one from L.A. to Dallas, one from Dallas to Cincinnati, and both flights were seventy five percent full. Yeah, I. I so, so this this no, predicted. this notion that we're going to. Yeah, you did predict it correctly. Pronostic drama strikes again, but this notion that we're going to social distance on a flight or boarding a flight or unloading a flight—it's just—it's just physically impossible. Yeah. And like, I just don't know what to tell people. Like, you, you know, it, it's up to the individual, right? At that point, whether you want to fly or go to a casino or wherever, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, and that's the thing is like, I'm really hopeful that the benefit of us having to deal with all this, whether it was over being over careful or not, is that we can get back to a normal life quicker than if we hadn't done this. And that's what I'm really, and it's just like, yeah, social distancing on planes isn't reasonable. Social distancing, if you go to a comedy club, isn't reasonable. I'm kind of hopeful that we don't have to do it or we don't really have to think about it too much. Yeah. And I'm just like, if that means staying home for another fucking week, just stay home for another week. Sure. But, you know, I think a lot of people, you know, to transition, Andy, I think a lot of people are probably, a lot of dirtballs are probably going like, I thought this was going to be the Lachlan Patterson episode. And I got to say, I, I woke up today after watching The Last Dance last night and trading messages with you. And I was like, it doesn't feel right for me to do this without Andy Ruther uh, today. Like next week. When the last dance wraps up, I can bring in a Jordan slash Bull Slurper to like tell me his thoughts. But on, especially on week two of the Jordan propaganda campaign, like I was like, I need my, I need my Scotty Pippen. I need the the Robin to my Batman in, in Michael Jordan slash Last Dance True Thing. Yeah, I put out the Ruther signal. I appreciate and I'm glad that. that you, and I'm glad that you you accepted. Well, I don't know. My dad just brought home some chicken sandwiches, so I might have to just end the podcast now and uh, <laughs> eat some delicious food. No, look, I I, I want to say this, Joe. I, I you know use the term a Jordan slurper. Like, I just want everyone to remember, like I'm still a huge fan of Jordan. I still myself 
I, I take things away from this documentary that I enjoy learning about him because because we're still learning a lot about him or you know the whole dichotomy of the Bulls and how those guys meshed and and I enjoy that and and I agree with you like I am on record at this point in my analysis Michael Jordan is the second greatest player of all time like like I mean that's that's a great feat right like, let's- I I think so and I don't and I don't I don't think that that's a diss and I agree with uh you that I actually I think I like Michael Jordan more watching this documentary even though it kind of even though it, it it's unavoidable to paint him as a psychopath yeah I still like him more because I like that he is totally fine with that like of all the things he tried to gloss over and all the things that he tried to hide one thing he didn't try to hide is he's a huge dick I agree he owns it and and you put out a gr- you like had a great tweet which I think went underappreciated that he was just like skewering the 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 anti-bullying campaign like the oh, idea yeah. that, and I, and I thought that was so funny because it's so true in this age of like be careful what you tweet be careful what you put out on social media be careful what you share with people he's basically sharing that he is the worst bully of all time mentally physically emotionally in fact he he created out of thin air reasons to bully people oh yeah and the end result was six titles i mean let me look we can argue and debate whether he could have won more or less if he didn't try those tactics but right you can't deny the end the end result is he's six of six in the finals as far as his, his teams are concerned and how he treated those teams um I, I agree. Like th- there's something to be said about he owns it. I a hundred percent agree. Like, and now it's to the point with, with watching it last night, I, I was texting you as we were, we were both watching it and we, we agreed that it's, it's now gone to the realm of it's, it's comedy. Is it not Joe? Like, like you saw the tweets on Twitter of like, man, can you imagine if you were like a barista who wrote the wrong name, wrong name on his cup of coffee, or you joked last week about the mailman reminding him of Carl Malone. And the yeah. irony, the irony is, you did that riff, and this next two episodes, you were riffing, but you weren't even far off at all. Yeah, and 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 it's funny. Like I, I also think that there's, you know, I want to give Michael Jordan some credit of owning it, but I also think that there was no not owning it. Because like I tweeted last night, when they tried to put together like a little montage of like, he was a really good guy off the court. The only footage they have is him roasting a guy in a wheelchair. <laughs> he's like, he's like, yeah, the UConn women's team is pretty good. I heard they can all walk. And you're like, Jesus, bro. <laughs> like, He's like, he's like, hey, I brought some shoes for you to sign. He's like, I don't think you're wearing them anytime. So you're like, geez, Mike, take it, like, take it easy. The guy's crippled. Yeah. And and, and then also, like, I, I just feel like th- they didn't have a ton to work with with like painting him as a good guy because he's just not like we haven't seen we haven't seen an interview with his wife, his son. Like, 
his family besides his parents are not involved in this. Yeah. I just feel like, yeah, he owns it, which I do appreciate, but also there's no not him owning it because there's not a whole lot of him like doing charity work. There's not a whole lot of him like posing with kids in hospitals. Like the closest we have to that is some former teammate of Scott Burrell's in the locker room and Mike just literally roasting him. Yeah. And, and look, I, in a way I understand because all he cared about was basketball. All he cared about was winning. And we even see on the set of Space Jam, which I thought was such a cool nugget. Talk about the ultimate tug nug for the world to see that they had a basketball court on the set at Warner Brothers Studios out in Los Angeles, right? And all those great NBA players were playing pickup games. That was incredible. Incredible. Awesome. Like, is there a game that you'd want to be a part of more than that? Oh, it's unbelievable. I like I, the only other thing I can think of is like maybe those dream team practices, but like even that, I feel like that's, I feel like in the dream team practices, there's like this coaching and refs. Yeah. Whereas like pickup games in the, the Jordan dome on Warner Brothers, And I'm glad you said tug nug. Could, I, I have a feeling Tug Coker was literally stroking it watching that. Like, can, can you think of anything that Tug Coker would want more than to be in a pickup basketball game on the Warner Brothers lot? Yeah, he, he just come. He comes over in his pleated pants from the blackish set, and <laughs> and hops hops into the Warner Brothers Air Jordan pickup game and. And D's up Sean Bradley on the blocks. Yeah, that was that was a that was something which I wonder if people knew about that. You know, I didn't. I didn't either. Yeah, that was that was incredible. That was that was definitely the coolest kind of funnest part of the thing. And also, like with everything that Jordan does, there's always this uh, underlying like like what's the real reason he's doing it? And this is like. So he can scout NBA players. But but again, you have to give him credit because, again, that's one thing you have to take away from all this is you can't deny that's always that was on his mind. And the the motivation thing and the, you know, George Carl not saying hi to him in a restaurant or all these different little, the dude on the bullets – that he we got it. We got do. First of all, we have to talk about that. We have to. I got to go deep on the LeBradford Smith situation. Go for it. First of all, what is it with Le Something Smith and Michael Jordan just completely making shit up? We've got Leroy Smith, fictional high school player who stole Michael's spot on the varsity team. Now we've got LeBradford Smith, who played like two years in the NBA. That is like his his. NBA boogeyman where he has completely made up a story to use motivation. And let me ask you one other thing, Andy, how bad is Michael Jordan's imagination where he is going to create out of thin air, a story that LeBradford Smith wronged him. And the best that he can come up with is nice game, Mike. (laughs) (laughs) I don't even, what part about that is offensive? Like, like, can you imagine somebody, can you imagine me coming off stage and another comedian going like, 
nice set, Joe, and me being like, I'm going to ruin that dude's life. Yeah. What? That's not even a diss. Not only did it not happen, you made it up, and you made up a compliment. Like, in his psychotic mind, he created a story where a guy complimented him, and that drove him to kill. What? Well, look, man, I, I there's a few things at play here. I don't know if you do this. I, I have done this psychologically. You'll do you'll you'll create wild scenarios. I think in your head to motivate yourself. I've done this. I've done this for work. I've done this for working out. Like, like, I mean, I've said it. Like, I'll train myself sometimes. If I like got to swim a few more laps, like if I don't swim harder, a shark is going to eat me. I know it sounds crazy, but it's like these stupid things you do. So I, I've never had a problem with Jordan creating these scenarios because especially when you're to the point of excellence that he's at, right, and you're the greatest player in the world and you're winning titles, you have to come up with storylines to motivate yourself. Don't you agree? Like, yeah. I, and I, I Look, I'm the same way with you as like, you know, getting like creating something to motivate yourself. But I think the difference between you and LeBrad, like, I think the difference between your shark and Michael's LeBradford Smith is like in your heart of hearts, you know, there's not a shark in the pool with you. True. I feel, I feel like Mike is a bit of a sociopath where I feel like he goes out there and he's like, I'm going to, I can't like, I feel like that whole game, He's truly getting revenge on this guy. The guy has done nothing to him. <laughs> like, what? Like, in the middle of that game, if you go, like, what's going on, Mike? And he's like, yeah, fuck this LeBradford Smith. And you're like, the dude is trying to make a living in the NBA. He had a good game last night, and this has ruined your life? Yeah. It's, it's kind of remarkably, like, I almost feel like his... His crazy competitiveness is is like you can applaud it, but it's also like you might be mentally ill. Well, well, well it's both, and it can be yeah. both. And I agree. And I I actually had a really good text exchange. I was exchanging texts with my brother, my brother Greg, nonstop. And he's he's an MJ till the day he dies, right? And we we were arguing all yesterday via text about Jordan versus LeBron. And it was going back and forth. And then we were texting as we were watching live. You know, he was at his house and I was at my dad's house. And and that's what he was saying. And I was agreeing. He goes, he goes, the thing about Jordan is, like he was saying what you're saying. He's like, he's a psychopath. He he is literally a sociopath. But then we started we started talking about great people. A lot of them have screws loose. Wouldn't you agree? Like, yeah. like if you've read Steve like for anybody who knows anything about Steve Jobs and I've read his biography, like the dude was a nutcase, but he was also a genius. You know what? Does that make sense? Like, yeah, like, no, absolutely. I, I agree with all of that. The, I think I think the thing that I take away from it is like, yeah, like I, like let's just all let's just all accept that. Like, he's definitely mentally ill. He's definitely like crazy and 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 volatile and all that. And all the players said that. Like, yeah, he's an asshole. Like, I didn't like him. Blah blah blah. But but there's also got to be a little bit of this where like once you accept that. And once you accept that he's just created literally things out of thin air, like nothing ever happened. The guy didn't say a word to him and he's created a conversation that didn't happen. And now he's going to use that as motivation. You also have to keep that in the back of your mind when you're watching anything Michael Jordan says, you're like, 
is this true or is this completely and totally made up? Sure. I mean, that is a good point. Like, what can you believe? Like, yeah, now at this point, I'm like, like, what? Like, now, like, basically, at this point, it's like, this guy can beat a lie detector test. So the idea that he passed one doesn't help me at all. You know what I mean? It doesn't mean he's telling the truth. Every single word out of Michael Jordan's mouth is now suspect to me. Yeah. No, I agree. Because because he's on the record as saying, I'll I'll 100% make things up with absolutely zero basis in reality. Well, once I know that, I don't I don't know what to believe. Yeah. And look, we don't this idea uh, the bullying thing is interesting. I want to go back to that for a minute. And is it Chris Rock, right, who has a bit on that and how bullies create the Bill Gates of the world and, you know, these type of just geniuses, whether it's athletically or intellectually. And, and I think there is something to be said for that. And But th- there's also, like, there's this thing of you, you witness... His former player, I'm sorry, his former teammates, Joe, struggling with it, right? Like, you could see it in the face of, like, a, a Will Purdue or even some of these guys that, like, yeah, I got a bunch of rings, but, man, he was an asshole. But I have emotional scars. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, basically every white dude on the team and Scott Burrell. <laughs> that was the joke I had with my brother. Jordan just bullying the shit out of all the white guys. Yeah. He's like punching Kerr. He's like calling out Weddington. He he literally does not. Tony Kukoc has to this day not had a conversation with him. <laughs> like he he's, he plays with Jordan for like three years. He's never once talked to Michael. He's like I understand. He does not want to talk to me because you know I'm in a way I come you know and and Tony Kukoc honestly the European the thing about the Europeans just being like fucking hella chill like tony kukoc and but he's like i'm from war thorn country i see this all the time by the way tony kukoc you talk about a, a man ahead of his time don't you agree like i i feel today's luka dunk luka dunk god i can't even say it dunk it yeah. yeah like he's the evolution wouldn't you agree of a tony kukoc who played 20 plus years ago Sure. No, absolutely. I mean, I think, you know, they, they even talk about it. They're like, well, he was European. He was a great shooter. It's like, there's, we've, we've seen it come out of Europe, whether it be Dirk, whether it be whatever, like the, the, the Euro, um, the European influence on basketball is definitely a big part of the stretchiness of it. The, the bigs being able to shoot, the you know we've seen that in in good and bad forms whether it be Doncic, Perzingis, I mean bad versions like Bargnani, you know what I mean? Like guys who are like I'm big, but I'm but I play outside. Dirk sure. obviously, Dirk's obviously probably the most successful version of it so far. Like as a port, I mean a guy won an MVP. Like he was seven feet tall. He was playing small forward. You know what I mean? I think again, like the the Euro, and I gotta say, you know, that is part of the part of my argument of 
eighties and nineties was better basketball. Like the nineties, like it or not, when Jordan was dominating, the NBA was watered down because they went to the expansion that the league sizes at today, but they didn't have the, you know, wealth of European players that we have to, I mean, think about, think about the NBA today without foreign players, how much the quality would go down. I mean, we're talking about, they're, they're now at the point where they play USA versus the world in the rookie sophomore game. And Giannis is winning, you know, an MVP and Dirk and like without, and Doncic and Perzingis, like without those guys, even Embiid and, and guys like that to some degree, although obviously even early on in the 80s and the 90s, they were like taking guys from Africa and, you know, Jamaica with Ewing, stuff like that. But like the NBA was as big as it is today, but it didn't have all those Euro guys. And I mean, just imagine how much stronger the league is if there's 20 Tony coaches in the mid 90s. Oh, yeah. I mean, I mean, the league 100 percent. And I think the 92 Olympics from a lot of things I've read made the league that much better because what we did to the rest of the world in completely annihilating them made the rest of the world want to be better, right? At basketball and compete and also made the game more accessible and more global. And it was just such a brilliant marketing tactic from the And look what happened and look what happens in almost the immediate future after that. I mean, just the Spurs dynasty alone being built on the backs of, you know, Ginobili and Parker and like, I mean, even Duncan's from the Virgin islands. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the influx of international players in the NBA is, is truly probably in my opinion, the number one reason that the league is so much better today. Why? Well, I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, wh- and, and, and I, and I, it goes back to your original point, like Tony Kukoc ahead of his time and really one of the first players that was, you know, a part of the European, uh, whatever it be, influence. Yeah, no, it, it really is. And, and and I'm glad you brought up, you know, the Watertown League. I, I just, again, this isn't anything to take away from Jordan or from anybody in the 90s. But guys, the facts are the facts. We sit at 30 NBA teams right now. During Jordan's, like, kind of run from about 88 through 98, Six teams were added. So 20% of the NBA was added in those 10 years, which is crazy to think. So you have six expansion teams. So you have six not good teams added to the league. And you can't really underestimate that because you're getting just bad team after bad team. And Yeah, and, 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 the, and again, they don't have the quality control of having the Euros to fill out rosters. They do have... Um, the league allowing high school kids in, which obviously is great for the Tracy McGrady's and the Kobe Bryant's and the Kevin Garnett's. But for each one of those guys, there are 10 guys who went to the league at a high school that were trash that did not pan out. And that were, and that really were made the quality of the league very poor because these are completely unpolished high school guys that are out on the court, just like, trashing it up yeah and 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 you're right and to bring it back to modern day that's that's why the league is just so strong now and now obviously we have the g league and the developmental leagues and 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 just basketball in general the european leagues 
I mean, these guys go to China to play. Like the the leagues now, basketball as a sport. I I don't think the common fan realizes how strong it is just as a sport globally at this point. It's such and, a strong and, sport. And in the modern NBA era, and and by that I mean basically like the color television years. You know, let's for, let's. To me, like, and I, I hate that I have to say this every time, but like, I'm just not speaking on Russell and Wilt and all. Like, that's just, it's really not the modern NBA. Like, until until finals games were televised, we're not really talking about the NBA. But in but in the Bird Magic in the late '70s on, one like probably, or or I'd even say like the combining of the leagues from when when the NBA and the ABA came together till today, easily, in my opinion, the worst quality of the league was the nineties because before that there was less teams. So obviously there was more talent and you, all you have to do is look at those Celtics and Lakers teams to be like, how do you even have a team with five hall of famers on it? I mean, it's wild. And then you cut to, you know, early two thousands when you've got, the, the influx of the European players and, and like the Spurs teams and all, and all that. And really the, the, the gap that Jordan dominated, like it or not, in my opinion, was the most watered down version of the NBA in modern times. They expanded, but they didn't have the players to expand. Yeah. No, and, and, and someone who lived through it like you, I, it's tough to not agree on that. I mean, obviously the, of the new expansion teams, the heat blossomed for a minute and Charlotte was all right with, you know, Alonzo Mourning and Larry Johnson and Muggsy Bogues. And they had some pieces, but a lot of those teams, I mean, I mean, even talk about the next wave of expansion. You talk about the Grizzlies. Oh man. The, the Grizzlies, the Raptors, eventually the Bobcats. You're looking at teams like those teams were awful for like seven, eight years before they were competitive. Yeah, no, I agree. And, And I think that's, that's important to put in perspective. As, as we watch this this domination, but l- let's go back to the documentary because I know you have a lot of notes. And, and I have I've, so many notes that it's like crazy, but I'll try to like be, I I'll try to be as brief with them as I can. Okay, let, let me let me just start with I, I kind of always do it in chronological order as I take notes as I watch. So here's here's my first note that I have. Basically, Michael Jordan said. It was probably his last game after his first three feet. He said he said that to his father before he died. He said to apparently a dream team reporter, I needed a break. I told the reporter, you know, he told this reporter he's going to quit. And I think history has rewritten itself into Michael Jordan retired because his dad died. And the fact of the matter is there's a lot of evidence of him being on the record that that's not the case at all. Now, he might have played baseball because his dad died. I think that's that seems pretty obvious at this point. True. But the idea that he retired like he was it sounds like he was going to retire regardless. And he's sort of on the record as saying, 
He's physically and emotionally drained from three from three straight finals appearances. Tag on like the two three years where he has to battle the Pistons. Tag on you know newspaper articles about his gambling. He was just kind of done with it, and. You know, again, this is not a LeBron-Michael Jordan thing. Like, I don't always want it to come back to that. But eight straight finals, three consecutive Olympics, living in the social media era, LeBron thinks that's just plain adorable that Michael couldn't take it anymore. He just thinks that's adorable. He's got it. You know what I mean? Yeah, I I, I struggle with the understanding or perception that people have of thinking that you're the toughest guy ever, but then you also were too mentally drained. Like, I get it. Michael Jordan was bigger than life. We know that. Like, he was the biggest athlete on the planet, bar none. Hands down. He was. There's no denying that. But at the end of the day, you are right. There's no social media. There's no TMZ sports. There's, there's none of this 24-hour nonstop news cycle. So it really- and, 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 and that's the thing. It's like Michael's emotionally drained from the press because he goes to Atlantic City and people find out. Imagine if every trip he took to a casino, somebody was there with a camera. Every trip. Every fan. Every, I, I mean, we're, we're in 2020 with our phones we're in a way all walking media or reporters, are we not? Because at any given moment, you could see somebody take a picture, take a video, and you can you can instantly blow up someone's life, correct? Yeah, absolutely. So it, it is interesting that, and I kept going back and forth with my brother again. He's a huge Jordan stan. And it's like, dude, you're not responding to this. You keep saying how tough he is and he's so much tougher. And I'm like, you're not responding because what's the answer? I'm just trying to understand from someone else's perspective. If you're saying he's tougher than everybody else, but then at the same time, he was too mentally exhausted. By the way, this is, if Jordan retires because he was exhausted, I'm not calling him mentally weak because he wasn't. Jordan was mentally tough. Never once am I calling him mentally weak. I'm just saying. Right. I, 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 to- I totally understand what you're saying. For- for other people then to be attacked for being soft in comparison to Michael Jordan. And that's my point. Is that that's where it's unfair. Like to call LeBron James soft, to say LeBron James could never have handled Michael's era because he's not a, the ultimate competitor. He doesn't have the killer instincts. He doesn't have Michael Jordan's toughness. Again, I say LeBron watching somebody retire because they played in three straight finals, one Olympics and had some newspaper articles written about him. To a guy who played in eight straight finals, three consecutive Olympics, and has a reporter every single place he goes, LeBron must think, truly, that's adorable. Yeah, I, I just don't understand it. It's, it's, it, I, like, and, and I feel we're the only ones asking this. Like, like this. Why, why, why is no mainstream outlets at like, guys, again, I'm not ever questioning the toughness of Michael Jordan. I'm not questioning. I'm questioning it saying these guys are soft bitches today. Like I see the tweets. You see the tweets, Prano. I just don't get it. Don't sit there and tell me he's mentally tougher 
when guys when when he when he's on the record saying I'm not. Yeah, he's open when about Michael, it. When, yeah, when Michael Jordan's on the record as saying, stop saying it's because David Stern forced me to retire. Stop saying that it's because my dad died. I told reporters in 92, I'm tired, I'm going to quit. That's Jordan, Mr. I mean, and also, that's Jordan in his propaganda documentary where he's covering himself everywhere he possibly can. He's on the record as saying, that's why I quit. I quit because I was spent. I was I was physically and emotionally broken. Yeah. Now, here's something I want to touch on because it this is a pro Michael Jordan statement. It's also an anti you know Twitter troll statement. When MJ retires the first time, you remember it. I remember it. He is on. He is on the record and many people around him are on the record as saying he's retiring the gra- the greatest basketball player that ever lived. And I a hundred percent agree with that. I think when Michael Jordan retired the first time, the majority of people agreed we're watching the greatest basketball player ever walk away from the game. And I say that that's important because at the time Magic Johnson had five rings and Michael Jordan had three and everybody knew Michael Jordan was the greatest basketball player of all time. Yeah. And so like everybody likes to do six greater than three, or if you're a Kobe stand five greater than three, but everybody knew Michael Jordan was the greatest basketball player of all time, even though he was quitting with three and Larry had three and magic had five and Kareem had six and Russell had 11. We all knew, regardless of the title counting, that Jordan was the best ever. Yeah. I agree. But, like, it wasn't a doubt. We, we didn't need to see. It wasn't always based on the rings. But that argument has it been was, hijacked. Yeah. It's been, it was always based on what he was to basketball. And, and and the level at which he dominated, regardless of what his teams were doing. Everybody knew the Lakers and the Celtics that that dominated the league for 10 years and led to Larry and, and Magic stockpiling rings were the best teams. And, and the idea that Michael lost to the Pistons meant somebody on the Pistons was better than Michael Jordan or... Or that he lost to the Celtics and somebody on the Celtics was better than Michael Jordan was ludicrous. We all knew Jordan was the greatest player of all time, even though five is greater than three. Yeah. And and you know what? I also feel like players today would never be able to get away with it, and almost rightfully so. If Steph Curry had retired after going to five straight finals with three rings and said, I have nothing left to prove. People will be like, uh, bullshit. Yeah. Well, well, I, I, I want to bring up something as far as watching the documentary and then people just, don't, they don't even look up the fact. Like, like, it's just wild to me. Like, the Gary Payton thing I found fascinating. I've got, I've definitely got that at, at the, 
at the the end of my notes, but I'm happy to skip to that. So go for it. We watched it. The director or whoever, the producer, someone shows Michael the iPad of what Gary Payton said. And Jordan laughs in his face. I have that I, in my notes. I have that as him laughing at the at, at the iPad interview is all caps cringe. It's it's cringe because then you go to the statistics. That play, that playoff series, Michael shot forty one percent from the field and thirty one percent from three point range, and the Bulls lost back to back games when George Carl finally put. Gary Payton on Michael Jordan so so again it's this notion of like he's just I had I had other stuff on my can you imagine can you imagine if a star athlete today used I had other stuff on my mind right and by the way I'm not downplaying you dealing with the loss of your dad obviously you and I are both dealing with losing our parents right now and it sucks and there's no other there's no other way around it it sucks and it's emotional, and it's it wears on you. So I'm not downplaying that at all. This isn't a dig at Jordan, but it's a dig at Jordan to then use that as an excuse and not just say that Gary played well. Like the facts are the facts. And 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 he says, you know, I didn't have a problem with Gary Payton. It's like Michael, you absolutely did have a problem with Gary Payton. Forget the 41 percent and all that. Is look at Jordan just. Go to basketball reference right now, pull up the the Bulls Sonic series and look at the leading score. Because when you look at the series as a whole, they'll show you a box score. And first, they'll just show you the leading scorer in that game. Look at how it changes when it gets to game four. When Gary, he he scores, I think, like 23, 19 and 26 or something like that in the three games that Gary Payton guards him as opposed to going off when other people are guarding him. Yeah. And and by the way, hearing like 20, like Michael Jordan scoring 19 or 23 points for the amount of times that he goes to the free throw line and the volume of shots he takes, that that's the Michael Jordan equivalent of LeBron scoring 11 against J.J. Barea. You well, know well, what look, I mean? The Bulls won in six. I'm looking at it right now. In game six, Michael Jordan went five of 19. And, right, and again, this isn't to diss because obviously we know when Jordan went off so many times. Like Jordan has had so many amazing games, but the facts are the facts. They won Game Six in spite of Michael Jordan going five of nineteen. Like, like, like uh, after exactly. So he goes five for nineteen in that game, and they win. And that's after. So there's basically Peyton guards him for three games, two games that they win, and one game. That he goes, that he holds Michael to five for nineteen, and they lose. Like the idea that Gary Payton guarding him in Game One of that series doesn't change that series is cringe. Well, well why don't we just go? I'll, I have it right here. The first game that Gary Payton guarded him, Jordan went six of nineteen. Yeah. So we know the last game that he guarded him, he went five of nineteen. And let's see here. Let's pull up Game Five. And in Game Five. Jordan went 11 of 22. So he had a good game. He shot 50%, 26 points. But two of the three games that Gary guards him, he plays terrible. Yeah. 
And those are the like uh, uh, again. And, 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 and by the by the way, the idea to truly be the best defender in the world, which Gary Payton was at the time, is certainly the best. The best, you know, small defender, the best wing defender. He won Defensive Player of the Year. The I, Michael Jordan is at the time the greatest basketball player to ever walk the earth, and still to this day, in my opinion, is the second grade. To hold Michael Jordan to bad games in two out of three makes you fucking Superman. Yeah, exactly. You, you, you know, basically getting Michael to play average in a game makes you Superman. But the idea that you get him to play poorly two out of three games is remarkable. And the idea that Michael Jordan literally laughs off that he doesn't have a problem with Gary Payton is cringe. It's cringe. Yeah, it's it, again, it's just this narrative that people... Dude, I'm looking at tweets right now from different media types. And it's like classic Jordan laughing him off. I go, no, no, Gary was laughing hit at Jordan because Gary played him great two out of three games. Yeah. And 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 I got to say two things. One, I truly believe, now I'm not saying the Sonics win, but I truly believe that series is very, very different if Gary Payton guards him from opening tip game one. Well, look. And also... If the Sonics aren't wearing those awful jerseys, terrible jerseys, awful, you have those dope green and yellow old school Sonics across the front in like the rainbow formation, Sasquatch jerseys. And you go to this green, dark green and red, like Gary Payton on Michael Jordan in game one, the original Sonics jerseys. Now you combine those two. Now I'm saying they got a chance to win the series. Well, look, the numbers don't lie. He guarded him three games. Jordan had two of the three games. He played very poorly, and the Sonics won two of those three games. So I agree with you. I think the series is different if he's guarding him the whole series. Do they win? I don't know, but I think it probably goes seven. Yeah. Can we talk about legalized Kemp? What a great sign. Yes, incredible. Talk about a, a sign ahead of its time. Can we also just talk about, like, can we get basketball back in Seattle? We're uh, yeah. going to give everybody a fucking team, and we're not going to give Seattle a team? I mean, come on. Like, I, I almost feel like this needs to be part of the dirty sports, like, like as the, just like the DSPN messages. You know, dirty slides, I don't want to say we have we should get full credit for making the Padres go back to brown uniforms, but we should get half the credit at minimum. Like, I feel like... I feel like if we use our powers, we we should be able to get basketball back in Seattle. Yeah, I agree. I, I think I think I, I think we need to have. I think we should have. You know, in a couple of weeks when you're back, we should have Jeff Die on the show and Adam Ray on. The, like, I think I think while at least while we don't have sports, we should make we should move this to the forefront of our to do list. Let's get basketball back in Seattle. Yeah, and you're right with the. Old jerseys, not those 90s. The, the, the 90s, here's another thing about the 90s basketball. The jerseys were awful. Do you remember the Houston Rockets jerseys? Awful. Awful. It had it. It had the emoji rocket on it. It literally had the emoji rocket on the uniform. 
awful. <laughs> I mean, Prano, can you think of a worse era of a sport or league's jerseys? 90s basketball jerseys. Were they not the worst? They were the worst. I mean, the quality of play and the quality of jerseys were like, it was horrific. They were like, if you're willing to model the shittiest jersey of all time that probably has some sort of like neon flavor to it, you can be in the NBA. And yeah. high school players were like, I'm in. I know. It was, it was a, it was as, as Barry McCockner would say, it was a very tough scene. Oh, it was the toughest of scenes. Well, Joe, um, be- before we continue this, I want to just let all the dirt balls know about our friends at Manscaped, Joe. You love, love Manscaped. I love me some Manscaped too. I brought home my lawnmower 3.0, and as I look outside, I see the flowers are blooming, the grass is growing, and it's time to mow your own lawn. Thanks to our sponsors at Manscaped. You can trim the hedges below the belt safely and efficiently. I'm talking about ball trimmers. Manscaped is here to make sure your balls are smooth and smelling nice. And after all, it's time for some spring cleaning. Prano, I gave a new Manscaped kit to my little brother, and he was ecstatic about that. And He should be. He's about to get his balls cleaned up. I know, right? And I told him, this lawnmower 3.0, it's it's... It got my chest hair. I've talked about this. My chest hair is so out of control. I don't want to go bare because that's not how I roll. I like to own that I'm a man and I have a nice flock of hair there, but it still gets just too thick. So I use the lawnmower 3.0 to just trim that up, go below the belt, and uh, I have a great offer right now. For a limited time, subscribers get two free gift bags. They get Two? Two. They get the Shed Travel Bag, a $39 value, and the patented high-performance anti-chafing Manscaped Boxer Briefs. You can get 20% off and free shipping with the code DIRTY at manscaped.com. Guys, do yourself a favor and always use the right tools for the job. And Father's Day is just around the corner, and I know your old man will love this. So once again, get 20% off and free shipping with the code DIRTY at manscaped.com that's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code dirty it's spring cleaning baby and your balls will thank you and that link will be in the description of the podcast send me a screenshot i mean the idea of man's like a spring cleaning of your undercarriage i mean it kind of makes me want to do it the second this podcast or i'm like yeah i could do some spring cleaning oh yeah Oh yeah, and 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 then again, so many great products. So go support our friends at Manscaped. And actually, it's funny that we're saying Manscaped. I don't know how it was for you. You know, my dad has YouTube TV, and I was watching The Last Dance. They were doing a, a bunch of Manscaped ads during The Last Dance when I was watching. I it did. Last night. I I did see that. I said the Dirty Sports and The Last Dance, same sponsors. It's kind of kind of remarkable. We're moving on up in this world, Prano. Yeah. So, what are some other? And I know, obviously, we're going deep down this, but there's not I, much I, else I to mean, talk I, about. I gotta say, you know, at first when we started doing this, I was like, "Oh my god, people are gonna hate." It. I, I've gotten so much good feedback about like the our breakdowns of the Last Dance, and now at this point, I'm like, I'm going through my notes every week. Um, and and by the way, we're also doing what the Last Dance does. We bounce around from from year to year. Um, I want to go back to the the 
him retiring, the gambling stuff, and also the baseball stuff. So I think that this uh, documentary does a pretty solid job of saying, you know, the of, of maybe putting to bed the conspiracies of David Stern, you know, forces Michael to retire, that this has something to do with his gambling. You know, they really try to pound into you that there's no evidence of his gambling being a cause. And I'll just say this as a follow-up to that, because I think a lot of people, you know, really were like, see, we told you, this is it. Like, yes, there was no evidence of his gambling was the cause of him retiring, except, of course, him having gambling debts with criminals <laughs> and there being no motive whatsoever for his father's murder. Um, I, I mean, dude, so look, I, I couldn't agree more. If I can hop in here real quick, I... Again, let, let's put things in context. Can you imagine if LeBron James' father was murdered in this weird, shady, pulled over the side of the road? Guys, we're talking about Michael Jordan, the biggest athlete in the world. His father was murdered on the side of the road because he got tired and took a nap. Now, look, I'm not saying that that did not happen. I'm just saying to just squash any sort of conspiracy, in my opinion, you're being reckless on not trying to cover any of the other bases. Does that make sense? I I, I agree totally. And and this is important because we, we both, you know, we just talked about this. Like, I am not trying to, like, dig up Michael Jordan's father. No. He lost. He lo- he lost his dad, regardless of how it happened. It whether like whether or not it was ha- having any relation to him is like uh, you you almost sort of agree with him as like yeah that's kind of a dick move by the by reporters to like you know bring it up in in the like immediate wake. But the the more important thing is like. Yes, it's very possible that Michael Jordan's dad is pulled over on the side of the road in rural North Carolina in a fucking sweet-ass Lexus, and some guys come by and are like, we're taking this fucking car, and if this guy puts up a fight, we'll kill him if we have to. You know what I mean? But, and, and, and again, they don't leave in the car, so, like, the idea that they figured out who he was and they fucking... Uh, who knows how it all goes down? I'm not saying... The story as it's been given to us isn't correct, but I'm saying just like you are the fact that we have on record drug dealers walking around with Michael Jordan checks in their briefcases and then his father's murdered. You're a bad police officer if you don't try to make a connection. Yeah. uh, Again, there's there's just there's too many shady things this isn't about shitting on Michael Jordan's dead father. Like you said, nobody wants that. But Or even Michael Jordan's gambling. Or even Michael, like, like, even if this is the way it goes down, like, it doesn't mean he, like, put his father's life in somebody, you know, it's, like, in jeopardy. It's just, like, the facts are the facts. Like, Michael Jordan's father is murdered without motive just after Michael Jordan has severe gambling problems with criminals like this isn't a this isn't a crazy leap it's not and that's all i'm gonna say like it's not a crazy leap 
And when you get smug guys like Bob Costas or you see today on social media, like a Colin Cowherd, like, I'm not having any of these Michael Jordan conspiracy theories. Why? But why? I would literally say to their face, why? It is right, on, because, it is because, on, because it's, it's on because record. The re- yeah, and, and also because the story that you're asking people to believe is crazier than the conspiracy. Like, okay, look. Two planes crash into the World Trade Center and it makes the World Trade Center collapse. That's crazy. It's crazier to say people blew it up. That's why I have, that's why it's like, I'm, I'm not, you know, look, obviously I'm a conspiracy guy, but I understand like, you're crazy that people blew it up. Okay. It's crazier to say Michael Jordan's father was murdered without reason than it is to say Michael Jordan's father was murdered by criminals who Michael Jordan deals with. Well, that's the thing. It's just, I'm glad you like brought up the World Trade Center. I will always examine and I don't call myself a conspiracy theorist, but I'm always open to possibilities. Like, I don't get these people who say, without a doubt, we walked to the moon. It's like, well, we don't know. There's a lot of evidence that maybe we didn't and that it was all made up and that somebody like a Stanley Kubrick, right, made a film basically for propaganda because we were in the whole Cold War with Russia. That's why it's crazy to me. Like, you have so much evidence, factual evidence, that Michael Jordan was gambling, that Michael Jordan was connected to former drug dealers, bad people. Look, the facts are the facts. Those are the facts. So to just say, oh, they're, like, like when Bob Costas, like, it angered me. There's absolutely no evidence. Well, you know what, Bob? There is evidence that Michael Jordan was paying hundreds of thousands of dollars to convicted drug dealers. So yeah. don't act like this is such a crazy, like you said, leap. Like, oh my God. And Because also what you're asking us to fully buy in on, on, the, on the flip side of the coin is that People just get fucking murdered for absolutely no reason and then their cars get stitched in the woods and and like the motives are like I was just out to do some murdering. Look, I'll say this much. Michael Jordan, Chicago legend, more of a legend in Chicago than he is anywhere else in the world. Brought them six titles. The Chicago Tribune, the main paper in the city of Chicago, why would they do this to their hero? published an article August 9th, 2018. So almost two years ago. It's titled Absence of Answers, The James Jordan Murder. And I, and I skimmed, it's, it's real in-depth and I read most of it. But basically, this is their very own city publishing a report all these years later saying there's a lot of unanswered questions in the James Jordan murder. Why, yeah. let, let me ask you this, Joe. Why is the Chicago Tribune publishing this article in 2018 if this is such an open, shut case? Why are they even bringing this back 25 years later? Because it's not. But that's the thing. That's, that's my point. Like, you're crazier to believe than you are to believe the conspiracy. Now, the conspiracy might not be correct. I agree. But it's not. But it's not crazier than the story you've been given. It's not. It's just simply not crazier. You're right. Jordan could have just retired because his dad was murdered. You're right. I'm not even saying this is factual. But for people, again, I will say on record, for people who will not entertain the theory 
that his dad was either murdered connected to the gambling or that Jordan retired because of the gambling. You're you're kind of an asshole. I, I kind of want to say that about you. You're an asshole for not entertaining this. Also, let me say this about his retirement. First of all, uh, and I'm jumping around a little bit, but but like it's all to prove my point. Like David Stern letting Michael Jordan change his number mid playoff series, like. Try try changing your number in the NBA today without like eleven forms signed and like a two year notice and like like Kobe had to go through a process to go from eight to twenty four like Jordan like David Stern one hundred percent treated Michael Jordan differently than every single person in the NBA sure okay and, so and, now and understandably so to a degree because Jor- okay. Jordan made but, the NBA to what right, it was but I'm, my, my point of like. My point of like everything that David Stern says in regards to Michael Jordan has to be taken with a grain of salt. Totally okay? agree. Also, Michael's talking about returning to basketball at his retirement ceremony. I know. Do you know he so, e- even uses the Do you know he even uses the phrase? And you again, you can take this for what it's worth. If David lets me come back, yeah, yeah. Did, did you did you? I don't know if you've watched it because since this has happened, I've rewatched his retirement. I've rewatched the whole thing. He literally uses the phrase "If David lets me come back," and I don't know if that's a Freudian slip or if he's just improvising and he said that. All I know is that's pretty eerie. Yeah, and like, but the idea that like I'm totally at peace with this decision, I didn't have plans to come like you can't say you didn't have plans to come back when in your press conference about leaving you're talking about the possibility to come back those are that's just those are two opposite statements i will say this from a storytelling background from a hollywood type background like like if you're viewing this from a movie or someone's biography i'll ask you this joe because i thought about this last night What's a cooler story if you're writing a movie? That the guy retires, goes, plays baseball, comes back, wins three more titles, or he wins eight straight. In my opinion, as far as a storyline arc, it's way more fascinating that the greatest basketball player in the world retired, tried to play baseball, came back, dominated once again. That's all I'm saying. So for, again, the conspiracy theorists who are like, oh, I'm like, this made it even better for the Jordan legacy and for the NBA. A hundred percent. In fact, it, it, it not only did it, but like he got to come back and take a shot at it with a free pass. He got to take a shot at it in 95. And, and I'll get to that. I want to get to that later. But he got to take a shot at it in 95. He got a free, free spin. You know what I mean? He got a free scratcher ticket. If he wins, it's that much greater. And if he doesn't, he literally gets a free pass. I want to come back to that later, though, because I have a lot on that. Why don't you don't want to address it right now? No, because first I want to do the baseball thing. Him playing baseball was cool as shit. I loved it. It was awesome. And props to him for trying and props to him for doing something that like, you know, he had a very slim chance of succeeding at. And also like that, you know, like Michael Jordan is Superman. 
that that's undone a little bit by like him putting himself out there to play baseball. Like it was ballsy and like, I applaud him for it. It was also an extremely shitty and grossly egotistical thing to do, to do that to like other guys who are trying to make it in baseball. I just plain like the idea that somebody had to watch Michael Jordan, like that somebody had to sit on the bench while Michael Jordan played right field for the Barons. I don't care what you think about Michael Jordan. It's a super ego move and it's kind of shitty. What do you make of Terry Francona saying if he, if MJ gets 1500 at bats, he thinks he can make the majors. Okay. I have, here's what I have written down word for word. This MJ would have been a major leaguer thing is where I absolutely draw the line on this propaganda bonanza. Props to Michael Jordan for hitting 200 in double A. Like I am, I am fine with everybody slurping. The guy doesn't play base, touch a baseball for 15 years and he hits 200 in the minors. First of all, there's dozens of clips of him taking batting practices for the Chicago White Sox. He did it regularly. There's an upper deck card of Michael Jordan. Yeah. In the in the in the Major League Baseball card pack of him taking like he did it regularly, just like Tom Selleck used to take batting practice with the Tigers, just like, every, you know, there's a bunch of these guys who do this. Michael Jordan, it, he didn't not swing a bat for 15 years. So let's take that out. But again, props to him for at 31 years old, being able to hit 200 at double A. But in 2018, Tim Tebow was in double A Binghamton for the Mets. He hit 273. Tim Tebow will never be a major leaguer. Ever. And everybody treats his professional baseball as kind of an asshole move. And as kind of a joke. And as kind of a PR stunt. 273. Not 202. Tim Tebow hit 273 at AA Binghamton in 2018. I am not saying it is not impressive what Michael Jordan did in AA. But this notion that he would have been a major leaguer if he got 1,500 at bat, is where I absolutely draw the line in this propaganda machine. That well, let me ask matter. you this, then. then it's wh- offensive. Then why it's does, offensive to baseball players everywhere. Then why does a World Series winning manager, Terry Francona, who I know we both respect as a manager, why does he say that, then? I, he's a part of a Michael Jordan documentary. So you don't think, I think you don't and, think he means and, it? I put t- I, it, my first notes on this are Terry Francona is his manager. LOL. Wish I could hear his off the record thoughts of just about that in general, just about managing Michael Jordan. Double like he's got. I feel like he's got a lot to say about that that he doesn't. And I think that he is doing Michael. You know, maybe he's being honest. Maybe he knows exactly what he's a part of here. But I'm just, I'm sorry. I'm, I, I'm sorry that if, if Tim Tebow is hitting 70 points better than you at double A, the idea that, that multiple people say Michael Jordan is a major leaguer, but they, they do a whole thing. He hits one ball hard, honestly. Well, look, in, I, in, the, in the montage. I'm not questioning that. I, I, I am, I'm going to try, look. When it comes to Terry Francona, I just don't know why he's lying. That's all I'm saying. Like, like I don't 
know why he would say something he didn't believe. And whether it's true or not about Jordan making the major leagues, I don't know. But I, I just don't see the angle of why Francona would lie when he says here's that. What I, here's what I say to anybody in this documentary or online who is, is just accepting that Michael Jordan would have been a big leaguer as a fact if he had been able to work at it. I, I literally in my head think of the gif of Michael Jordan going, stop it. Get some help. Yeah. I, just as a baseball guy, I'm not, by the way, at 31 years old, if you had dropped me in double A, highly unlikely that I hit 200. Now, I'm not Michael Jordan. I'm not, a, I'm not, a, I'm not one, of, I'm not one of the greatest athletes to ever walk the face of the earth. I don't have God knows how many people helping me try to achieve that. I don't know whatever, but I am a former baseball guy and I got to say, the the idea that we trotted out Terry Francona amongst other people who just want you to believe that Michael Jordan would have been a major leaguer if he had if he just had had more time to that I say I am offended on behalf of baseball players everywhere plain plain and simple it kind it's kind of disrespectful. Well, see, you know the baseball stuff. I'll be honest, I didn't really care about as much i i've seen the 30 for 30 on it i just i i didn't i don't know i i didn't i didn't but obviously you're a baseball guy it's a little different and and also there's like you know like if michael jordan's hitting 200 at triple a at double a and can't field his position let's say he does have a big what does his big league career look like like I just I, I, the the idea that a guy like looks lost in the outfield and whatever whatever I just it it, it, it really kind of bothered me and and the Francona thing kind of bothered me as well not, not like to be completely honest with you and 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 I just want to say on the record like doesn't take away how impressive his what he was able to do in baseball was I don't know why we just can't leave his accomplishments as his accomplishments and be like the idea of somebody getting off one sport and going to baseball and hitting 200 is remarkable. Yeah. Can we just leave it? Can we just leave it at that? Do we have to do the thing where we then go and he would have been a big leaguer if you had like, I, I, to me, it's like now you've, now you've soiled what you just said about him by like insinuating that this guy is just like, and he also would have quarterbacked the Niners if he had more time to play football. It's like, <laughs> like uh, uh, God, if Michael Jordan wanted to get into politics, watch out. There'd be peace on earth. It's like, just can we just let him, let his accomplishments be his accomplishments without insisting on like shining them up to be like, and also in this fantasy world where he had 1,500 at bats. But again, it's Mickey Mantle. It's, it's a Michael Jordan. I understand. It, I'm just saying. I'm just. I'm just saying. The Mike MJ would have been a major leaguer thing. I mean, that broke me. Well, let's move along to he comes back, and he's on the '95 Bulls, and he plays 17 regular season games, and then they face his old guy Horace Grant in the playoffs on the Magic. Horace Grant to Orlando is everything in 95. That is, th- like, I, I just think that that cannot be 
overstated how important that was across the board, not just for that series, but the Bulls win 55 games the year before with Jordan gone. And then everybody in this documentary is on the record as saying, this year in 90, in, in 94, we, we don't miss a beat, barely, you know? And in 95, everything falls apart. Well, what's the difference between 94 and 95? Jordan's still retired. Yep. And, and the difference is Horace Grant to the magic. It is. That's everything you need to know about the 1995 Bulls season. The, the, the Orlando Magic got Horace Grant, and the Bulls didn't replace him. That's, that is the 1995 Chicago Bulls basketball season. That is the 1995 Eastern Conference in a nutshell. Horace Grant leaves Chicago, goes to Orlando. Miss me with the baseball stuff. Miss me with the Michaels legs are tired. This, we have all the proof we need in how the Bulls without Jordan get significantly worse without with losing Horace Grant when Michael Jordan wasn't there the year before. That's everything you need to know about the 95 Chicago Bulls. And I got to say, props to Worldwide Wob, Rob Perez, on Twitter yesterday, who puts out a very similar tweet to what I've been saying. He's like, enough with the Michael Jordan didn't have his legs thing. He scores 31 points a game in the playoffs. Blah, 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 blah. The Magic were just better. Like, that doesn't take anything away from Michael Jordan's greatness. It doesn't take anything away from the three beat before, the three beat after. But they're just better. The end, plain and simple. And honestly, you know, we talk a lot about who should and who should not have a voice on social media about certain sports. You and I were, and Tug had a text exchange about how prominently featured Mina Kimes was in like NFL draft coverage. And we're like, what is happening? But if you don't respect Worldwide Wob's opinion on the NBA, whose opinion are you respecting at this point? I mean, it's true. It's 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 like I, I, I don't I don't understand how people can watch the sport and not understand, especially the Horace Grant thing. That's the only difference from the '94 Bulls to the '95 Bulls. One team had Horace Grant and one team didn't. And it's the only difference between the '95 Bulls and the '96 Bulls. They get clobbered on the boards in a series against the Magic, which they lose to. And Horace Grant gets carried off the court because he feels like he was disrespected by Michael Jordan. He feels like he was disrespected by the Bulls. He leaves. He goes to another team. They beat the Bulls. Again, they hammer them on the glass. They have no button. They have no big that can do anything with Shaquille O'Neal. They have no big that can do anything with Horace Grant on the glass. They just get hammered down low. So what do they do? They go out and they get the world's best rebounder, a two-time defensive player of the year in the post. They've got a guy to guard Shaq, or at least to kind of half neutralize him. They've got a guy whose only job in life is to rip boards. And without 50 games to gel or whatever they're claiming Michael Jordan needed in 95, they hit the ground running in 96 and win 72 and 10. They go 72 and 10 and they basically sweep their way to a world championship. That's the difference. 
And like I said last episode, but I will say again, every single statistic for Michael Jordan, every single major statistic, he is better in 95 than he is in 96. He plays more minutes. He shoots a higher percentage. He scores more points per game. He grabs more rebounds per game, more assists per game, more steals per game, more blocks per game. He is a better player in the 1995 playoffs than he is in the 1996 playoffs. Facts. Facts. And the only difference was that big guy in the goggles. Yeah. And and it's honestly offensive to Horace Grant that no one will talk about this. I, 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 I'm, it's funny, but it's not funny. I honestly, you talked about it last week. I really do think the disrespect for Horace Grant goes to his big white goggles. I'm serious. Yeah. I think people are just like this, this asshole and these goggles. And then, <laughs> and then in his absence, Michael Jordan uses the word ho as his go-to diss. Yeah. I noticed that he's now, he's now calling everybody ho. It's like, I think that there is a double meaning there. I think he is literally like, and now my number one diss, if I'm going to trash you, is to call you Horace Grant. I, I, I just don't understand. If Jordan's numbers were way off, you have an argument, but I was... But they're better. I they're was, better than they are in, in 96. I was surprised by that. The fact that MJ's numbers are better, you just can't argue. You just like what is there to argue? Every single statistic, shooting percentage, all everything per game, minutes per game, everything. He's better in the ninety-five playoffs than he is in the ninety-six playoffs. He's better in the ninety-five playoffs in all but two categories than he is in the ninety-three playoffs. And by the way, both things can be true. Michael Jordan's legs might not have been all the way back, and they probably weren't. But the Magic were still also a better team. Does that make sense? Like, both things can be true. Facts. I think. The, like, to, to me, the idea that Michael Jordan plays that whole season, and they, let's, let's do one thing. Let, Michael Jordan plays that whole season, and they beat the Magic. Okay. I put their percentage chances of beating a Rockets team that sweeps the Magic at almost none. And guess what? That hurts Michael Jordan's legacy more than him losing in the Eastern Conference Finals. Yeah. I mean, look. And, the, 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 and I, I just think I, 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 I put it on Twitter last night and I have it in my notes. The cover-up of 95 MJ is egregious. Also, we, we, we in that clip, in the documentary, I can't even believe they included it. MJ has a shot at a game winner against the Magic and passes the ball out of bounds to Scottie Pippen. Yeah. Where is this killer instinct I've heard so much about? Where is Michael Jordan would never pass in that situation? Where is that? And by the way, it, it was a great look. It was a bad pass, but it was a great. He absolutely made the right decision. He made a terrible pass. But he made the right decision, and I am not criticizing him for that. I'm criticizing people who say Michael Jordan would never dish it with the game on the line. Well, the problem is this whole documentary, it just highlights the hypocrisies with people. So Jordan's not fully back. 
but then he also drops 55 on the Knicks in the Garden his fifth game back. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, like, like which is it? He's the greatest ever because he does amazing things like that. But then we're going to, like, the, the, the problem is there's always excuses. And that's what I'm sick of. Let's just stop using excuses when people play bad. LeBron James did not play good against the Mavs. LeBron James had eight points one game against the Mavs. LeBron James, that was not a good series. Yeah. And I'm never going to use that. Or I'm sorry, I'm never going to make excuses for LeBron that series. And it's, and this, the same standard has to be held for all players, and especially the greats. You didn't have a... You, Michael Jordan had a great series. But, and, and, but he wasn't I mean, on the best I, team. I will I will give you the exchange I had that I think that I think uh, explains it. I put on Twitter yesterday. Show me Bo Jackson or Deion Sanders saying like having a bad season in the NFL because they were in baseball shape. And literally, one of our listeners, I believe, goes, "You just listed two sports that weren't basketball." And I go, yeah. And I also just listed two athletes that don't have an excuse for every single time they failed in life. Every single time in Michael Jordan's life, there's something, at least in this documentary. The idea that Michael Jordan was in this baseball shape is like, what are you talking about? The facts are the facts. He was better in 95 than he was in 96. The greatest team ever, 72 and 10 all time. Look at the playoff stats. He's better in the 95 playoffs across the board than he is in 96. Was he still in baseball shape? Because I thought that was the greatest team of all time. And you're right, and I agree. This notion, it's almost like a notion of infallibility. Like, guys... People aren't perfect, and that includes Michael Jordan. So, and, and to be honest, I think it makes people less interesting. Like, like I love the comeback story. I love struggle because I can relate to it. You can relate to it. As human beings, we can relate to being torn, whether it's physically or emotionally, right? Like, like there is something about bouncing back in defeat, right, Joe? That there is something about that that makes such a great story. But if the story arc is constantly going to be, it's never his fault, that doesn't make it interesting and it doesn't make it something that like, I want to watch. Does that make sense? Like, it, it's just, you're creating this thing that's just, unre- it's unattainable for humans. And, it, and, and, and I don't and, like yeah. it. And it makes, you know, again, it also makes, um, it, it's it's in a it's in direct opposition to the whole like no one's more competitive than Michael Jordan thing. It's like don't make excuses for me. Don't don't say like like don't say oh I, like the fact that he lets this go in his on his legacy and he lets this go in his documentary like that that like oh he didn't have his legs and he was in baseball shape and then he he props that up with like, and that's why I was like, I need a Warner brothers workout room to like get, and all I thought about was, it's like, which is it? Are you a guy who's never gonna like ever let somebody have the edge on you? Or are you going to be the guy who let literally everybody have an edge on you? And then you had to come back from it. It's like, you have to pick a lane here. Yeah, I agree. 
And 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 that's and, and, and again, I I just want to repeat what I said before. It's very simple. If you're listening out there and you were not alive for '90s basketball, do not believe the hype. The all you have to know about the 1995 Eastern Conference is the Magic had Horace Grant and the Bulls didn't. The end. Yeah. And no one can do it alone. Not LeBron, not Michael, not Magic, not Bill Russell, not Larry Bird. You need a team. You need a guy who's going to rebound. You need a guy who's going to play post defense. He didn't have it. The guy he the guy he lost was on the team he lost to. They replaced him with a guy better at both of those things, and they suddenly went 72 and 10. And they didn't need all this gel time that we're talking about. Oh, Michael, Michael came in and said, guys, you've been running the triangle the whole time. The team is exactly is playing the exact same style as it did in 91, 92, and 93. Let's let's not act like anything strategically changed when Michael came back and we have to worry about gelling. Yeah. Because they didn't have a problem gelling with Dennis Rodman in 96. He came in and, and gelled right away. because they, they played five preseason games and then didn't lose again for three months. No, you're right. And, 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 and he was the difference. And... I don't know. I don't know what else people want. Like, it couldn't be more obvious in your face, but people just they just want to refuse to say he ever did anything wrong. And again, this and again. this isn't about George. This is about just they had a better team. What I like about this is it shows it highlights how important the team is. Like you said, Jordan had a great series. I mean, Michael Jordan that series. I have it pulled up right now. I mean, Jordan averaged 31 points, six and a half rebounds, three and a half assists, two and a half steals, and 1.8 blocks. By all means, that's a great series offensively, defensively. Michael Jordan had a fantastic series. They lost in six games, not because of Michael Jordan, because they didn't have Horace Grant. Yeah. And people go, oh, if he's there the whole season, they have home court advantage. Guys, they didn't play a game seven. The Bulls lost two at home. Like this, it wasn't close. Now, it, it, you know, in basketball, a game that goes six game, a, a series that goes six games, if Michael Jordan, you know, if anybody hits that, that game winner, and I believe it's game one, sure, maybe it goes seven games. But the fact of the matter is they had a better team and they didn't have better coaches. They didn't have more experience with each other. They didn't have any of that stuff. The Bulls still had. They still still had their legacy of all playing together. They still had Phil Jackson. They still had Scottie Pippen. They just didn't have Horace Grant anymore. And until they replaced him with Dennis Rodman, they lost. And the idea, again, I'm going to repeat it again, the idea that if they somehow do get through the Magic, that they hold a candle to a Rockets team that decimates that Magic team in the finals is, uh, uh, is as offensive to Hakeem Olajuwon and the Rockets as it was to Horace Grant and I won't hear of it and I kind of wish it happened because then Jordan wouldn't be fucking undefeated in the finals and everybody would know exactly what the truth is well look I mean that the starting lineups don't compare I mean look at these starting lineups the Bulls against the Magic it was Jordan Pippen BJ Armstrong Kukoc and Luke Longley and I, I don't know the Magic starting lineup but is it Penny Nick Anderson Dennis Scott Horace Grant Shaq Correct. I mean, and and, and, yeah, listen, right. and listen to these averages in that series. I, I mean, I mean, just listen to them. They dominate. Shaq twenty four points a game. Penny eighteen and a half. Horace Grant eighteen. Nick Anderson fifteen. 
Dennis Scott, then 14.8. All five. I mean, that's crazy. I didn't know that until right now. All five starters for the Magic average 14.8 points or greater. And yeah, basically basically 15 to 25 points is their range. That's amazing. It's 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 amazing and it doesn't compare to the Bulls, who that series Jordan does his usual 31, Scotty 19, BJ Armstrong 12 and a half, Kukoc 11 and a half. Luke Longley averaged 5.3 points a game. There's your difference. Luke Longley averages 5.3 points a game. Horse Grant averages 18 and 11. There's your yeah. difference. It's right there. It's right in front of you. Yeah, I mean, it, uh, honestly, the re- the rewriting of his of the 1995 NBA season with like this, Michael Jordan didn't play a whole year. He was playing like it's it's a black eye on on basketball fans everywhere. Yeah, they just they just want to forget it. Trust me, I was the same way as as a kid. I will never forget that game when he gets the ball stolen and then he throws it away. I'll never forget watching. It. I was, I was in disbelief watching it as a kid, as a thirteen-year-old kid. I was in disbelief watching that. I'll never forget yeah. it. And when they lost, I could not believe it. I could not believe because because until he lost again, I've said this. I never thought Michael Jordan could lose. I just never thought he could lose, especially at that age. You're you're naive at 13 and you just you never think he could lose and he did and that again that's fun to me that's what makes it even better that's what makes the story even better is that they did lose and, and he bounced and, back and I'll and I'll say again I just I just want to like like say again like I, I think the Bulls in 94 with Horace Grant still on the team the fact that the Knicks played them to a the, the fact that they played the Knicks to a very competitive series and then the Knicks go on to play the Rockets in a very competitive seven game series. I have no problem saying that it's very likely that the 1994 Bulls with Horace Grant win the NBA championship. But the idea then that the Rockets in that offseason add Clyde Drexler go on to sweep the magic that beat the Bulls in six games. The idea that the Michael Jordan Bulls without Horace Grant beat that Rockets team is disrespectful to arguably a top two center of all time and, uh, and Clyde Drexler. Yeah. Well, look, man, did you have any, any final thoughts? That's the end of my notes. The the, in big bold at the end of my notes is like the 95 NBA season and the lies that we have been told about it. So yeah, that, that wraps up my thoughts. Well, look, Joe, we're going to keep it to a, Last Dance only recap this episode. There's not too much going on in the news, and we've been out about 90 minutes of this. So I hope everybody enjoys it. I agree. I like recapping this. I like watching the documentary. I find so many parts of it fascinating. But I also am, you know, really trying to be aware of what I'm watching and kind of dissect it from from multiple angles. But uh I will. Look- I have. I, I have. I have two quick things I want to do. I, it is still just basically a last dance recap. But I've got two messages from Dirt Balls that I kind of want to do in place of Dirt Ball calls. If you'll, if you'll hear them. Yeah, go for it. Okay, this one's from Nathan Vickers. He sent this along with a five dollar donation on Venmo. And by the way, if you want your question answered, paying to ask a question is a great way to get it answered. 
I don't know if you'll do dirtball calls on the show without Andy, but I've seen the Prince, Tom Petty, Danny Harrison, While My Guitar Gently Weeps video like five times today, and it inspired this question. What would be the musical act you'd most want to see perform the Super Bowl? Do you have one? Uh, I mean, I've seen a lot of the guy. I've seen a lot of like my favorite artists um, perform the Super Bowl. Like Tom Petty doing it, obviously, is a fantastic one. You two doing it is huge for me. I think what I would most probably like to see is something that would that you would never see in that situation. Like I'd love to see, I don't know, some straight up like thug gangster rap. You know what I mean? Like I'd love to see like. Wu-Tang or like Public Enemy or like, you know, Dre and Snoop, like, but like not the corporate versions of them. Like, I'd love to see like the, the thug ass gangster rappers do it. I just, my opinion, I think the Super Bowl halftime show, it's, it's not catered towards or conducive, I should say, to seeing people perform because they're not you're not getting the full song does that make sense like to me i i don't really have anybody because it's just it's not entertaining does that make any sense like yeah it's it's more conducive to shakira shaking her ass it's yeah it's just it's just not conducive even when you've seen the the tom petty's or the bruce springsteen's i mean you've seen them perform at super bowls but it's just it's not like seeing them live yeah so I, I just don't think it's a good showcase for. That's why I'd like I'd almost like it to be again like I'd almost and by the way I hate for the most part hip hop live but I just kind of love to see something that feels really out of place. I mean I know there are people who are like clutching their pearls over Shakira shaking your ass. I'd love to see. In, in this fantasy world that we've created, I'd love to see the 10 billion people around the world and the 70,000 people at a Super Bowl, like with the lights off, hearing like, torture, motherfucker. Tor- I'm so your asshole closed to keep beating you. Yeah. And, and then lights come on and Method Man comes out. I, I would love to see the shock on America's and the world's faces if they were had to hear that. Yeah, no, I, I agree. From an entertainment standpoint, it'd be great. It'd be absolutely and- great. And the other sort of dirtball call that I have here, this one's from uh, Papa Schnulls at jschnulls5 on Twitter. Fellas, what's up? My name's Jake. I'm a longtime listener. I love the show. I'm sitting here watching The Last Dance uh, with my six-year-old, and I'm explaining to him, thanks to Joe and Andy, I will not be. I will be sports truthers and not a prisoner of the moment. My question is, who would your NBA sidekick be? Michael had Pippen. LeBron had D Wade, Stephen Clay. I think I would still take Pippin, but I'm interested to hear what you guys think. Appreciate everything you guys do on the podcast. It's been my getaway from COVID crisis. Stay dirty, boys. Uh, I love the question. And I think, you know, we have to kind of like, I think the way to think about it is the guys who are second bananas, you know, um, who do you, who do you take? If you were going to be the star of an NBA team, and you had to take a guy who was always sort of somebody's running mate. Who do you take? I mean, it's tough not to take Scotty because he was both offensive and defense. And the thing about Scotty is Scotty revolutionized the point forward. Absolutely. No, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I, 
I think it's, I agree with you. I think it's hard not to take Scotty. My one, the one person that I'll say jumps out at me. And when, when Laz and I sort of did our fantasy uh, draft recently, which we, we will have to talk about on the show sometime, I think Clay Thompson is as underrated as Scotty Pippen was back in the day. He's an incredible wing defender. He doesn't need to get his, but like he also will have a 30 point quarter or yeah. a 60 point game. And, and in the modern NBA, you take how good a defender is that clay is and you pair it with his insane shooting ability. He might be the second greatest shooter of all time behind his own teammate. And he wasn't even on the two championship teams with Durant. He wasn't even the main sidekick, but I'm taking either clay or Scotty. Yeah. And, and I wouldn't argue that. I think, I think that those are great choices. Um, and they're and very, they're very comparable. And that's dirtball messages. All right. Well, you heard it here first. Yeah, guys. Uh, Thursday's episode will be an all call episode, which again, we have already recorded, uh, actually almost two weeks ago or 10 plus days ago. That will be Thursday's episode. So take a listen for that. If you do want to leave a call on the hotline, it's 310-359-8365. All right, Joe, we did it. You got anything to plug? No, if you were excited for a Kooks of Sports episode, we're gonna have we'll have Lachlan on to recap the whole series, and we don't have to make him be a you know truther with us. We'll just get his appreciation for his beloved Bulls documentary. So tune into that. Enjoy the calls episode. Tune into that next Monday at Joe Prano on Instagram, at Joe Prano on Venmo, at Fix Your Life on Twitter. Uh, that's it. All right, you guys know the drill. Follow us, leave an iTunes review, or uh, subscribe to us on YouTube. All right, that is the show. Thank you. Free Horace Grant. Free Horace Grant. I think we got might have a title for the episode. Uh, that is the episode. Thanks for listening. Thanks for the support. Thanks for all the Venmo donations. You guys are great. Have an amazing week, and most importantly, stay dirty. <laughs>